looking today at um, at our unchanging God calls us into an ever-changing world. In the last century, there has been absolutely loads of stunning technological breakthroughs. Sound. Jake was telling me all these wonderful things his Wi-Fi do. That So you only need a cable, a bit of electricity, but everything else is all on Wi-Fi, so we've got these things going all over the place. Uh, keeps your heart going, I guess. Whatever it does, I don't really understand it. Communications, the internet, the good things of the internet, and the not-so-good side of the internet. We, in the last few years, are largely healthier. Some of us are probably bigger than our last two or three generations before us. We know much more about the causes of diseases. We even know something more about the weather and why the weather does what it does, although we don't seem to be able to influence it much in this country. Younger people particularly tend to think the newer things are the better things. But I think, and I know, and I'm sure you will recognise, that scripture makes it clear that simply accumulating knowledge, accumulating facts, does not make us wiser in the matters of God. I have quite a lot to do with a a few young people in their Christian walk with God. And I think a lot of the young people, particularly in universities, are struggling because it's nearly as though people have decided that they've outgrown their need of God in their lives. Technology, Technology can replace truths. Where I'm coming from, Where I start the point is, whatever we know, however clever we are, or not so, all of us need a living relationship with God. Wisdom, knowledge, technical knowledge, will not give us that. There is still a way of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I could go on to show how technology is leading people to the Lord, the way of the Lord Jesus Christ, making known solar Bibles in India, solar libraries, libraries on tablets I'm going to see and use and take to Africa on Tuesday. These little solar-powered tablets have hundreds of books on them, hundreds of teaching materials that actually are written and supplied by many different organisations, particularly in Africa. So technology is good. The reading that uh, was read to us is a song of Moses, written as a warning, reminding people thousands of years ago that times, in times of change, and Moses was about to pass on his leadership to Joshua, God still cares But, he goes on to say, as we'll see, we as his people need to be careful of following his way. There's a proverb in Africa, one of the thousands there are. A warning is the equivalent of receiving a gift of a goat. I think the little lad, I'm sorry, I'm one behind. 
Is it there? Oh, it is there. Sorry. That, that lad is probably a teenager now. But it's one I could just come up with this week. At times of transition, and maybe you as a church, and this is what brought me to this text, as going through a time of transition. Moses wanted to be sure that the people could cope with the change in a ver- with a very radically different lifestyle on the horizon. Still value and understand how God cares, protects, and how God would continue to bless his people as they live and interact with the community around them. Our communities, our world is changing as we are too. As Christians, as the Church of Jesus Christ, we are seriously thinking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ today. To continue to reach out in a meaningful way. I believe that overseas mission is part of our church witness in adapting and responding to the needs of this world. Great to see your displays and the different missions, the persecuted church, what's going on in Rwanda, even uh, at the twin, uh, twinning of the toilet in Burundi where I should be next week. Not that actual loo. I don't think I might use that one. But we need to know in a time of change how to deal with this change and yet remain relevant and effective as God's chosen people. Ways of doing overseas mission are constantly changing but our God is unchanging and relationship with us is unchanging. I've worked with BMS and uh, with the Baptist denomination since I was a youngster in the mid-70s. I went out to Congo, lived there, brought up a family there, came back, did some ministry in UK, thoroughly enjoyed that for a few years, and then was been on the leadership management team for BMS for the last, I don't know, long time. Worked 40 odd years until I retired. And now I still work a little bit, but just don't get paid. I think that's the difference. But that's my choice. But after 25 years, including travelling across Angola and especially over DR Congo during those five years of war twice right across the country I really reflected on what God, what scripture had, what was relevant for people especially where so many of these countries it's so horrific and dangerous to be a woman there are girls frightened to go to school all over Congo, they hide in villages in case one of the lawless men find them and abuse them. And it seemed to me that the justice mission, a mission that we read about justice through gospel was missing and through Christian lawyers, particularly in different countries in Africa, it was something that really drove me. And that's what I want to talk a bit about this morning. Wondering also whether there's something that we have to bring back to the UK too about justice in our mission, in our communities, and is the role we have. For the last 15 years in Uganda, there's been a tremendous change in people's lives. Uganda Christian Lawyers Fellowship was set up about 15 years ago. There was several British Baptist lawyers went out, men and women, and they worked with quite an influential Christian group of lawyers 
And at some times, these lawyers, the, the Ugandan lawyers, gave two or three days a month free pro grata for trying to get people to trial in, in prisons. Child, there were a lot of children in prisons. Land rights issues where people were thrown off land. Child rights issues, the abuse. And now that's still running with tens of thousands of beneficiaries a year. But what reminders and what warnings are there in this reading that we had today, you say, that is relevant and that could spur us on as a church here in this changing world? I want to suggest that our God, first of all in verse 10, is all searching, finding us in desert places. Adam and Eve called out to God, where are you? Sorry, God called out to Adam and Eve, where are you? Well, he knew where they were. People crying out in, in the day of Moses in Exodus 2, because, they, because of the oppressiveness of slavery, there are still many crying out today, caught up one way and another. And each of us who profess Jesus Christ as our Lord have been found. He has sought us out often with prayers and interests and help from others walking alongside us each of us would have a unique story of how God has found us in the Lord Jesus Christ many of us recognize in the UK to work to live out as a Christian and witness it is as was described in our reading a barren place as far as Christianity is concerned, a desert where for many of us being a Christian is hard. It's hard how to, what can be said if you're, in a, if you're in a public office and what can't be said. But these places are where God has called us to live out our faith for many of our brothers and sisters in other lands, as some of your people, uh, some of your posters say, where there is persecution. Guinea, Mozambique are mainly Muslim majority world and yet there's a very small, small but very significant enthusiastic Christian church using the youth, use sport. The youth are using links in education but they are struggling, especially if they're ladies, females, how to, how to remain part of the community and yet want to share their Christian beliefs, often feeling isolated. Yet these same people are keen Christians, but they're pleading for help, searching and asking organisations like BMS people to come and stand with them, join with them, link them with the, the local churches in order to make a real difference in their communities so they don't feel so much alone. As I suppose I was trying to say in reflection, we in Warminster were seeking to do with you here in Amesbury. Be assured that our unchanging God does still search and find, responding to the desperate cries of his people. So my challenge to number one thought today is, what is your part in God's response to a changing world. If you're looking out, what is God leading you? What are you finding? 
Secondly, our unchanging response. Is it me or is it new, need new batteries? There you go. Our unchanging God is always protecting in these desert places. Verse 10. I often travel in difficult places. And there's a real feeling of fatalism, particularly in places like Guinea, Mozambique. That if you put a seatbelt on, you must be thinking Allah is going to, you'll be thinking you're going to have an accident. So a lot of the taxis, these aren't the ones I travel in, I buy places and taxis, a lot of the taxis will take the seatbelt out. Because if you put the seatbelt on, you're actually encouraging, you must be thinking there's going to be an accident. It's a real different way of thinking. I've travelled miles in horrific places. I'm going to Rwanda next week, as I've already said, on Tuesday. One of the things that in Rwanda, it's very mountainous. And no matter how good the guys are that I get to try and drive me, they will overtake tankers on hairpin bends because they say they're going slower there. Uh, it's just, hang on, you can't see. Well, we can sense if there's a car coming. Well, most times they get it right. Well, you've got to get it wrong once. But God does protect. God does protect. And it's common to pray for protection, but I still have confusion because I've seen terrible accidents. Bad things do happen to God's people. But I also think there are times when we don't know what we've been protected from. And there's protection in Africa. I hear a lot of stories in the different communities, not only of their physical protection, but of their spiritual protection, how God protects them, guards them in very difficult situations. In our reading, it talked about the apple of your eye, the pupil, the tender part that needs protecting. My brothers and sisters, can I encourage you, whether it's with BMS or with other world mission, you get involved in praying and interceding for people in difficult situations. Maybe your contribution to tell them, to let them know, will encourage them that they know the presence and the protection of God. Our unchanging God is always uh, there we go, that's gone dead now. What? There we go. Our unchanging God is always disturbing, verse 11, moving us off from a place of comfort to a place of dryness. And I love this picture of the eagle hovering over its nest. The nest where the eagle has shielded its young, they've fed, they've cared for. But now, guys, you've got to fly. And they actually push them out of the nest into the real world. My role in BMS has taken me to many countries around the world, not just Africa, trying to work with local people and usually connected with mission personnel where people are hurting, where people need to be caught because they're falling, to anticipate difficulties. In this changing world, our young have been protected. And yet there are times when they move out to universities, they move out, they move on. We also have an opportunity for our young and not so young to move out into God's world 
to show what wings God has given to us, what knowledge, what gifts, what blessings, and how God can use them. And now to be stirred, to be pushed out of the nest. The church is there, the leaders are there. We are there to train, to teach, to fly, to know and to make, to allow to make mistakes, but to be helped and be protected. Something that's so exciting for me is over the years I've interviewed a lot of people. I've done quite a lot with the young people's action teams. That's teams of young people that go to different countries around the world for six months overseas and two or three months in the UK. And to see these young, I would say, boys and girls going out and see them coming back in six months' time, see what God has done in their lives. We're looking into sending just three or four of our 15, 16-year-olds to Albania next, early next year, to southern Albania. It's a very safe place. But to, so they can work with some young Albanian Christians in a camp. It's going to be exciting to see what God will do with those young people. Shadowing, we encourage people to shadow older people. One of the things ministers do in the UK is we have, we have mentoring. So you are, as a newly accredited minister, you're mentored for two or three years, three years, um, and to have somebody to walk with you, to support. And then often those ministers go on to mentor, walk with others. Similarly overseas, we've got some very experienced national church workers in many countries around the world. To go and be mentored by somebody with a really different interpretation of what well, making scripture relevant to their culture really is a privilege that I had. Is God disturbing you into action? To move out of your comfort zone? Are there people here in this church that need disturbing to move out into a changing world? Annette Tendo as a young lady, Ugandan, she was abused terribly as a young girl. And this, uh, these abuse led Annette to be very clever at school and led her to become a lawyer. And she followed on by a, a, a BMS mission worker and headed up for five years the Ugandan Christian Lawyers Fellowship. She was their director. She had an opportunity to move on to work for the EU and would have led to becoming a Ugandan high court judge. But Annette felt the Lord moving her to Mozambique to encourage the Mozambique minister, uh, lawyers to start up a Christian lawyers fellowship there, particularly because there was so much abuse of young people in schools and people not coming to trial in prisons. She made great sacrifice going into the unknown. Thank God she's now married. She has a baby and another one on the way. But due to complications with immigration in this country, she cannot visit, do church visits in this country anymore because she can't get a, even a short-term visa. And that's another story. She often feels isolated. Look up Damien and Annette on BMS website and pray for them and remember them as they move to Uganda so uh, Annette can have their second child. Our unchanging God is always guiding, verse 12, leading us into the desert place. I thank God for satnavs. It was absolutely tiddling down. With, oh, that's not absolutely raining hard. It was raining hard and I floated here. But actually, the car was following the satnav 
and it was really good. It just saved me. I don't know about you, how did you guys used to get on years ago before SatNav? I used to have stickers on the centre of the centre of the steering wheel because I did a lot of driving in the UK. And I used to just write the, the, the uh, road numbers because you get a lot of road numbers on a sticker. Nice. Now I can still drive around Britain by going up the 140 down the Yeah, I know all the numbers. But SatNavs are lovely, aren't they? How does God lead us today? God today leads primarily through his word, through teaching. But as it says there in verse 7, this teaching, this guiding needs to be passed on from one generation to another. My brothers and sisters, as if you are one of those more mature Christians and you were asked, what do you know about God's leading in your life? What is your experience? How did God speak to you? Could you be helping a younger person communicate what God has God has led you, how you discovered his leading? He leads through his church, his people. He leads through his word. He leads through people telling and demonstrating, thanking God how he set them on the right road. In, in BMS, we believe that the Baptists in Mozambique could be working in the Muslim majority world as Christian lawyers. So two Christian Mozambique lawyers went to Uganda to see what was going on. We financed that. They came back six weeks later and they had to find nine other Christian lawyers to set up legally an NGO organisation. God led them to those people, all sorts of different denominations. Now there is a Mozambique Christian Lawyers Association and they are addressing huge issues. They are recognised. They can go into any prison in Mozambique because they've got a licence to do it. They can take church leaders in. They are addressing problems in schools where staff are taking advantage of their place and position to get people through exams. They're working, the the wider school is working in preschools, sports ministry, legal education, particularly to enable pastors to help widows understand what their legal right is. Because a lot of people, widows, the husband's family who's just died, will take the land and the house back, say it belongs to us, you're out of it. And they suffer terribly. But the legal state does not say that. But they don't have the money or the support or the knowledge Pastors are really helping through this, uh, through this um, education. God guides. God is guiding BMS. And now I still believe needs individuals and churches that feel God is guiding them to be part of this great ministry. And I want to just hold up my hand and say, yes, it's a great risk. That's mission. Those who work on the streets here at night, You have tough times, I'm sure, as we do in Warminster. But I believe that God, when we're in the world, sees and blesses us in these tough places. And I would want to encourage you to think, as you sort of come to another chapter of the life of this church, how and where God is leading you, guiding you, as individual members of this church, And as a church to be involved with him in reaching into the desert places, whatever that means, as you have been doing over many years, but in an ever-changing world.
there are a great opportunity like never before for God's people to make a difference. For some, the desert place is, oh, I remember some young people. What? To live with no internet? Oh, no, that is too much. That is a true statement of just a few weeks ago. You decide where God is leading you. I think one of the things that I would want to encourage us as we reflect on this morning is that you do decide. Don't let circumstances decide. But you, as you pray together, as you talk together, you decide where God's leading you. And what do I mean by that? One of the, in some, one of the roles I have of interviewing people was, I've interviewed quite a number of folk, sorry, quite a number of folk later in their lives that believe that God was calling them and leading them to do something, whether it's overseas or significant in this country. But the children came along or the mortgage was there and both had to work. And it was circumstances and they lived with regrets because of how things went. Yes, we've got to earn money. Yes, we need housing. But I guess what I'm encouraging is whatever your situation, you take control. You make a decision rather than indecision and letting life go by. Our unchanging world, our unchanging God, as I'm coming to a close, is always blessing in the desert places. Places where God, being God's people, is hostile, I've said that, but is where God feeds and blesses. If you look at that verse 13, it's with the fruits of the field, with the honey of the rock, the oil of the flinty crag. Olives, I love olives. And I've done quite a lot in countries where olives are produced. The reference to the olive tree there thousands of years ago, it was used as food. The olive was often used as cosmetic, used to make their faces shine with olive oil on the face to go and worship. It was used as a medicine. Three drops of olive oil twice a day will keep you regular. In desert places, the changing world, in this changing world, our God promises to bless, to water, to feed. Why? Because that is also where God is. People say, oh, I'm going overseas and I'm taking the gospel with us. Yes, you are. If that's what you do. If you're going to the city, I'm going to the city with the love of Christ. Yes. But God is there. You're joining a sovereign God, a God who's already at work and he's going to be at work in and through you. We are still privileged with so much to offer, so much to give. We have, God has given us so much. I'm behind with my slides. Slides, what's wrong? You are part of God's mission here at Amesbury. BMS, whom you support, is also part of God's work, world, and his work for which your support is given. And as one who's benefited and been able to go into the camps, go into places with the, the scripture, for Bible schools, Bible camps, for legal work, for bringing justice to tens of thousands of people. I want to say thank you. 
Thank you for the privilege of enabling me in many years to work in a, in a place where often it is, could be described as a desert place. Our unchanging God calls us as ever into this unchanging world. But we are to be careful to follow this warning from Moses that our unchanging God always searches for you to be involved in his world. How are you searching? How are you reaching? Our unchanging God is always protecting. Is your involvement in this world to pray, to intercede in a sacrificial way? Our unchanging God is always disturbing. Are you being disturbed to get out of your nest, to fly or encourage others, lead others, to support others, to move into different ways, different ministries? Our unchanging God is always guiding. Challenge you as a church, just to think as a church together. What is God leading you to? What's going to be changing? Is there going to be changing? Our unchanging God is always blessing. God has blessings in store for you, my brothers and sisters. You've had some challenging times. God will bless. God is blessing. And you will bless others. Our unchanging God is calling us to return or to go into those desert places where we all once started our journey by faith. God is at work, with or without you. I would want to say... BMS also would want your continued support and encouragement. You can say, well, no, not I. It's not my time. I've got other things I want to do. If you've read this, if you've had this, heard this before, forgive me. I've used it quite a few times, and I'm sure I'm not the first one to use it. But I finish with no excuse is good enough. If the next time you think why God can't use you, Remember the following people. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Not sure how that goes. Joseph was abused. Moses was a murderer, like David and Paul. Deborah was a female judge. Gideon was afraid, Samson had long hair, Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young, David pretended to be mad and had an affair and ran, ran away from his own son, Elijah was suicidal, Isaiah preached naked, Jonah ran away from God, Naomi was a widow, Job lost his everything, John the Baptist ate locusts, Peter was hot-tempered, John was self-righteous, the disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha was worried about everything. Mary was too lazy. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. The boy with fishes and five loaves was too unknown and still is today. The Samaritan woman slept with many men. Zacchaeus was too small. Peter was impulsive. Mark had given up. Timothy had a, st a, a stomach ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. <laughs> so what's your excuse? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you use each one of us, everyone here in this room, every follower of Jesus Christ, no matter what part of community, no matter what nation, has a role in your kingdom. 
as we seek to find and discover our role in your world, to be encouraged to continue what we're already doing, to look for new places, to look for the next generation to move on to take the gospel of Jesus Christ in a relevant way. We pray, Father God, that you will encourage us and continue to bless us. For we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.